Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Machan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranla, called but of a gun put into the back of your skull, that's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm Not Here to Hurt You, a brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Throw-In Independent.ie's GAA podcast. I'm Will Slattery and we have another great show lined up for you today. A little later on we'll be joined by James the O'Connor to discuss all the weekend's hurling action. But first, I'm joined in studio by Galway ladies footballer Sinead Burke and on the line by former Monaghan midfielder Dick Clerken. And Sinead, the round four qualifiers are finished. We finally have the Super H lineup. In, in one group we have Dublin, Donegal, Tyrone and Roscommon. The other group we have Kerry, Galway, Kildare and Monaghan. The business end of the championship is finally here. It's so exciting, isn't it? Yeah, there's a great buzz around. I think the lads are re- well equipped for it and ready for it. Um, looking forward to you know facing Kerry, who look a very good outfit. Um, you know they're they're looking forward to compete with the best and see see about where the bets they are. So you're not not too overconfident then. No, I mean I definitely put in Galway's performances uh, throughout the year. They're you know they're looking in good fettle to, to take on Kerry. Uh, it's just, I guess, the unknown. Um, see how it goes. Well, delighted to be joined the line by former Monaghan midfielder Dick Clark. And Dick, your county are also going to be taking part in the Super 8s. And, you know, from what I've seen, you know, you know reading you in today's Irish Independent and a couple of your tweets, you seem to be confident enough that Monaghan can actually go quite well in the Super 8s. Yeah, I, well, I think there's a couple of things has to be factored in into this new phase. Everyone's sort of just getting used to the concept of it now. It's sort of crept up when it's it's a case of, wow, this is new and how, how, how it's all going to pan out. And then now people are looking in detail of, of the fixtures and the, the matchups. And, and, you know, when I look at Monaghan's group, probably this is this factored into my optimism is that the, the draw and, and the, the way the fixtures play out I think are in Monaghan's favour, and unfortunately, I'm looking at for from Sinead and Galway's point of view. I think they're actually the opposite. And you know, I think it was mentioned last night in the Sunday game as well that you know for Donegal as well that they're possibly not that favourable, like they don't get their home game until the last round, and that's the same for Galway. That that's something that might have to be looked at the way the cards have fallen. So like, I think Monaghan are meeting Kildare and Croke Park on Sunday at at a great time. You know, all the sort of the wind is very much in Kildare's sails, and Monaghan always perform better when they're maybe the underdog, and they'll certainly not fear Kildare in the slightest. So I think they have a great opportunity to get off to a winning start. You know, 
Galway obviously meeting the Kerry team you know, they'll be going in or even though they're going very well they'll be going in as underdogs so they'll have all to do to win there you know and then Galway have to go to Newbridge you know and they could be going to Newbridge with Kildare needing a win and we've seen what, what Newbridge has given to Kildare so like I'm looking ahead and saying hold it's quite likely that you know Monaghan could be ending up going to Galway in, in three weeks' time with with a win under their belt, and Galway might have nothing to play for, you know. And, and it mightn't play like that, but I just think the way the cards have fallen, it has been kind for Monaghan, maybe less so for Galway. Yeah, Shane, what do you make of the way? I guess the way the fixtures have fallen out, it, it can be unfortunate the way you know things be thrown up. Yeah, as, as Dick mentioned, Galway don't get their home game when potentially they could already be out. Yeah, I guess that's just a, an area that they have to look at and, and maybe perhaps um, not let it get into their heads too much. I think just take each game as, as it comes. And, you know, it is unfortunate that that's the way it's fallen. But I, if they put themselves in a good position, hopefully that won't won't end up that way. But um, he, uh, Dick has put it out nicely there and, and, and said the, the run out of things. So, look, uh, good performance at the weekend. You never know what goal we can throw. I think going into the game as underdogs will put them focused a little bit more and and hopefully it will be a good performance. And then going to Kildare as well, we've seen what happened in Newbridge last week as well. All these things may play with always heads, but you know, I guess you just have to eliminate that and take it one game at a time. Yeah, Dick, on Kildare, I was reading your Super Ace preview today and I saw that you put them bottom of the group. And I guess, you know, looking at it, on paper, that's probably where most people would have them. But I just feel after, you know, watching them against Mayo and the way they played against Fermanagh, who people, a lot of people tipped them to struggle in that game, given how they struggled against Carlo and Fermanagh's defensive uh, system. But, you know, their forwards are firing really well. Their defence looks strong. I actually think Kildare could be maybe a surprise package. Absolutely, you know, I was very like then somebody had to, you know, take the fourth place. Like it could, in some people's eyes, it'll be Monaghan. Some people have Galway. So as I say, you know, I think you'll find in that group particular there'll be very little consensus because the margins will be so tight. You know, we could sit here and try and predict forecasts and all the rest, and nobody would be would be right at the end of them all. So, you know, I, I just think you know we had to make a call, and that's where I put them. But they'll be unlucky to end up there. I do think they'll get a win somewhere. Um, I do think that the ship. Too many scores would be my concern for Galway. Like I was down um, working for Sky on the Fermanagh game, watching them live. Like I think they're very impressive going forwards. You know they're physically very good, but I think you know at the back, you know they're a wee bit too honest. You know even like Fermanagh with, with a very weak attack, you know scored eighteen and, and created double that. Um, you know they're averaging. You know they're shipping 19 points on average a game, um, today. That that's a lot of scores to be conceding against, albeit lesser opposition. So they're now coming into, you know, the, the Super Race against Division One. What what can they inflict? And I think that's that's probably where it'll be the downfall, and it could be on the score difference of anything else that that Kildare might find themselves. Because I, I do think they'll pick up a win somewhere, but I just can't see them getting two. They'll ship too many scores, and um, that'll end up hampering them in the long run. Well, last time I tipped up Caleras before the start of the Division 1 campaign where I said they were bolters to maybe make the final and they lost every single game so I'm reluctant to maybe tip them too heavily to make the semi-final tonight but since that win over Mayo and Newbridge you know there's no denying that it has got that whole saga kind of looks to have galvanised the team because I was in uh, O'Connor Park to see them play Carlo. They lost by seven points to a Division Four team, and they look unrecognisable from that. Yeah, I guess the publicity that revolved around that game, and they knew there was a lot on the line, and the publicity after the game as well has really, as you said, gelled them together. Um, they will be a force to be reckoned with. I think you know, as Dick has said, that they 
I, they could come away with a win in some shape or form throughout the next few weeks. So yeah, they are a team I think to be wary of. Um, as we, as Jake has said as well, we could predict and and guess here who who would come away with it. But definitely they're on they're on a good path, and I do think they may steal a win here, there, or somewhere. And did you just go back to your own county, Monaghan? Because I know a lot of people obviously wouldn't have, wouldn't have seen much of their win over Leash because it, it wasn't on TV, but. You know, obviously, Graham Brody's gotten a lot of the headlines, the leash goalkeeper. But from a Monaghan perspective, uh, a mixed, I guess, performance given how dominant they were in the first half. You know, I think they were eight points clear at one stage. And then they really did slow down in the second half. Like, what would you put that down to? A combination of a few things. Like, they were very impressive in the first half. Well, and, and they, from a couple of points of view, and that's why I'm, I'm, I'm more optimistic than I would have been today, you know, after from Allah lost, that, you know, think. I think, thankfully, you now that 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 can be forgotten. You know, the battle lines were redrawn going into the Super Eights, but but nevertheless, like they had a good spread of scores. You know, they were very solid in defence. Like that was that was a competent Leash team. You know, they were, you know, the, I, we'd seen enough of them this year to know that there's good footballers in them. So Monaghan would have to have to play well to be that dominant over them, and they were really really good in that first half. You know, very much snuffed out um, the leash threat going forward. Dominated around the middle. You know, drove at Mon- you know they had it was everything good about Monaghan was that first in that first half, and they could have had an, a couple of goals as well, bar the performance of Graham Brodie. And then in the second half, yeah, they weren't just as fluid. You know, there a few substitutions. You know, halfway in sort of disrupted the flow, and 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 you know probably just took that wee bit of uh, momentum out of their play. And but equally could have had another three goals. You know, so there could have been another ten points on that scoreline at the end. Um, only for, only for the, the performance of of the leash keeper. So I think overall it was actually a good way. Like Monaghan, they know that that level of performance is now back in that panel based in the first half. But that there's you know they're coming out of the game, you know just keeping the the flames dampened somewhat because you know you don't sometimes Monaghan don't perform well when they're coming off a, a major high. So I think you know Malik would be very very happy leaving uh, Navin last night. And say one of the games of the championship so far was also on Saturday. We had Roscommon versus Armagh. It was on at the same time as England Sweden, so a lot of people probably didn't catch it. But uh, it was on in the background on RT News now, where I was, and uh, some unbelievable point taking, you know, end and stuff. A really attacking game, and I think Colin O'Rourke mentioned on television. A lot of younger viewers might have been like, "What is this game like?" Because we so rarely see two teams really going at it, hammer and tongs like that. Yeah, they think Roscommon. And Armagh both threw, threw the shackles off and just went at it. And up until the very final whistle, it was really exciting game. Um, having seen Roscommon against Galway a couple of weeks ago, you know they are a young team, very promising team. They looked well, they looked really, really good on that day. Um, you know, just fell short at the line against Galway in the second half. Um, but they'll be out to prove a point as well, and I think they're on on track to put a few more performances together. Yeah, Dick and I have Roscommon, great win to get into Super 8. And it'll be interesting to get your reading on where Armagh are at. Obviously, you know, you would have seen more of them maybe than a lot of people down here up in Ulster. And I, I saw some quotes Kieran McGinney gave after the game where he kind of launched a fairly blistering attack on some unnamed pundits, you know, saying that they were effing useless when he played against them and they're effing useless now. You know, he's had an unusual kind of managerial career in the sense that he's been quite poor in the in the provincial championships, but very successful in the qualifiers and he's been there for five years now. What's your read on, on, on how he's been doing up there and his performance? <laughs> 
<laughs> I think everyone's shaking in their boots whether they're that whether they're that's the point that he's talking about well all I know is I've, I've made a few positive armour columns in my back pocket in case I run into him in the street because <laughs> he's actually he, he does be a monument quite a bit now he lives he lives just out the road Market Hill now but uh, no I would have you know, joking aside I would have been quite uh, posit- positively disposed towards armour this year like I've seen them in the in the league final against Arthur Fermanagh and like they played some really lovely football you know for, 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 for that time of year you could see what he was trying to do, that they were trying to use the foot, be expansive. You know, they probably man for man don't have the, you know, the experience or the talent that, you know, our mad teams in the past would have had or, or against teams, but they, you know, they try to play football the, the right way. And, um, you know, and I think, you know, that, that was a game borne out in the performance that they had at the weekend. They're probably just lacking that little bit of you know, maybe, maybe raw physicality, um, bit, a bit of cynicism and all the rest that you need maybe at the top level. But, you know, I think, I think, for for Armagh's year, you know, he'd be very disappointed. He'd look back on that for Manny game. Um, you know, like they were atrocious. I wasn't at that game, I was talking a lot of Fermanagh people rather than they just didn't perform. They just probably got that got caught cold by a Fermanagh team that caught, you know, Monaghan cold in the next game as well. But it, other than that, it, it was a good year for Armagh. Back up to division two, finishing a positive note. You know, there's a lot that young panel can be bringing. But, you know, yeah, Kieran's obviously not happy with, with somebody and all the rest. But, you know, it's, it's getting to be a bit of a common trend with managers, you know, they don't like criticism and all the rest. And, yes, some of it is is overboard and maybe lacking proper you know, sort of analysis. But at the same time, some of it can be married at different times. And, you know, it's... It, I think from his point of view, he should take the positives out of the year. And if he's if he has to have a quiet word with somebody in the background, go on ahead. Um, and, and and good luck to them on that. Yeah, what do you make of I guess you know that whole thing? Managers coming back upon it like that in such a kind of I guess a fairly angry way. Yeah, I guess as Dick said, it's a, it's a, you know maybe. They look at it and and they don't really know what what they're talking about, or you know, there's. I guess they are they're entitled to their opinion as well, and if they don't like their teams or their boys or to or their tactics to be uh, criticised in some way, so I guess it's their retaliation and you know, I, it, they're entitled, I guess, to their opinion. But uh, sometimes it maybe just be a bit too much. Yeah, like does it annoy you know you as you as players? I guess when you see stuff like that and you think it's really inaccurate or that it's completely wrong. Well, I mean, you just have to take it with a pinch of salt. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. Um, you try and block those things out and focus on your own, set up your own game, uh, what people say or or do in, in the papers. You know, you try and just block it out and, you know, we, you you know yourself what's going on. So, as I said, everyone's entitled to an opinion. If that's what they think looking at from the outside, that's their opinion. But... you, I think if you keep your head down and not get too bogged down in what's being said or what's what you read... You, you can work away and work on your own game and work on your own, uh, you know, your your performances. Well, Dick, one group of players who probably would want to keep their head down for a while is Cork. You know, they had a very heavy defeat to Tyrone who booked their place in the Super 8s and Ronald McCarthy afterwards was talking about how it's year one of three for him and he kind of knows the direction he needs to go in now. Um, but he was kind of obviously not kind of divulging that. Like, where do you think Cork can go from here? Like, what could they possibly do to, to resurrect the football team because it's just been such a dispiriting couple of years and after beating Tipperary by 10 points people thought maybe they were back and now two absolute drubbings against Kerry and Tyrone yeah and this has happened a couple of times over the last back since that all Ireland winning team things sort of have have, have nosedived nosedived since then and 
it's 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 a very very unique strange situation. We've got all the talk, you know, in football and, and, and smaller counties competing against the big counties and there's resources, there's resources. And then you look at a county like Cork with you know one of the face of it, even though yes they've got hurling and all the rest, but still the the vast resources football wise compared to other smaller counties who are competing and beating them on a regular basis now. So there's obviously something very dysfunctional happening in Cork and. Um, you know, there's you know you, you keep keep doing the same thing. You're, you're going to keep getting what you've always got, and you know this old Roland obviously recognises that there's something's going to have to change because uh, you know like it's 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 getting to the point now that it's it's, it's embarrassing, and uh, you know no no player wants to put themselves forward for that, but the players as well. And and again, this is where you know at, at the end of the day you can give out of it pundits and, and and all the rest, but it's very hard to sit and watch you know highlights reel or, or lowlights reel from from Cork's point of view and look at. The, the apathy and lack of intensity and work rates that are, that are plainly evident in games, you know, like that, that that's borne out for all to see um, and like that the manager and county boards and all that, I can guarantee you, let's call a spade a spade, those core players want for very little, you know, compared to maybe players in other counties, you know so, you know, the, it's, it's not just as, as, as simple to, 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 to place the, the blame at county board level, that's part of it, but at the end of the day Cork still have enough talent they're fit enough to compete better than they're doing. You know, as you say, they beat Tipperary, a, a very well, highly rated, fancy team, beat them comprehensively. Go back to last year, I was in Limerick, again, working for Sky for the, the for the Mayo game. They were superb. Um, the, the, the performance, the, the ability is there, but just for some reason, they have just this inconsistency or these horror shows rear their head. And, you know, that that's 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 not just at the county board level. That's that player management and everyone that's involved. So, listen, there's going to be another long, hard soul-searching winter and, and autumn for them. But, uh, listen, I've, I've, I've no doubt that they'll turn a corner, but they'll have to recognise where they're at. And, and, and a very a good big dose of honesty will, will need to be um, thrown in with that. Okay, Shane, just before we wrap up on the football, it's prediction time for the two Super 8s groups. So we have, in one, we have Dublin, Donegal, Tyrone and Roscommon. Who would be the two teams, do you think, to come out of that one? Um, well, I suppose you can't you can't uh, just leave out Dublin. I guess that that would be my number one. Uh, I reckon Donegal have been going very, very well. They're due a good performance. And then we have Kerry, Galway, Kildare and Monaghan in the other one. Yeah, I'm going to go with Galway on this one, not being biased. I do think, you know, they're they're due having not played as best as they're capable of again in the Connacht final. Um, they're due a couple of good performances uh, putting it together. Um, so I'm going to go Galway and Kerry on that on that one. Thanks. And Dick, before we get your predictions, I actually wanted to ask you one quick question. I saw you uh, tweeting about the kind of the controversy over Dublin playing two matches in Croke Park. And you kind of had, a, I guess, an opposing view because everyone seemed to be going down one route that Dublin shouldn't be playing two games in Co Park and that it was unfair. But uh, you maybe have a slightly different opinion to some of the other uh, maybe GA pundits. <laughs> a lot of things now on, on Twitter. You know, after a few days, the populist view is is set, and that's it. You know, no, one, no one's afraid to stick their head above the parapet. So you get the sense that there's only one view, and you can, you know, but you talk to the man on the ground. A lot of people in, in you know, that are involved in these things, they see, you know. The whole Dublin argument, though, it's it's well, for me, it's quite simple. As I say, and it was always this from the start. You know, there's a, the, the first round was always going to be around Croke Park to try and kick kick it off on on a high in, in, in big games in Croke Park. Now that might be reviewed and all this, but that was set in stone, so that was grand. The next round was um, 
and away and home game. So the question was really about Dublin's home game. Where is that? Simple as that. Not allowing that to play in the first game in Croke Park, but where's the home game? So, like, in the world and its mother has accepted that Croke Park is Dublin's home venue for the last while. And I know Dublin are coming back saying it's not, but there's, there's logical reasons for that. You know, and I says, like, what, what are we going to say? Bring them to Port Leash or bring them to Navan just for the sake of it. You know, bring them to Parnell Park where, you know, a team coming down the road are still going to get a hiding because it's still Dublin's home ground, but very few of their supporters are going to get to see it. So there has to be a bit of common sense with this as well. Plenty of examples all over the world where big sort of national stadiums are doubled as home venues as well. You know, the, the MCG in Sydney, a lot of the AFL teams play out of that. You know, there's, there's practical reasons to it too. So I think people just got carried away with the whole Kildare thing and, and felt to, you know, this is the next port of call. But, you know, there's with a big stadium there that generates an awful lot of money that gets fed back into the association that's going to, without that revenue, all these stadiums, the new bridges and avenues, they won't get redeveloped. So, you know, there has to be a, a bit of a, a, a broader view on this. And to be honest with you, Dublin won't mind. They'll they'll beat teams wherever they play them. So I think it's a bit of a moot point as well. Well, Dickie, I know you gave your predictions for the Super 8s in today's paper, but I haven't managed to persuade you to put Kildare in there instead, have I? Uh, no, you haven't. I better stick to me guns now at this stage. But listen, I think it'll be. Listen, I'm really looking forward. I think there's going to be surprises. I think you know, even if, between Kerry and Dublin, yeah, I'm predicting them to, to go through without undefeated. At, 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 by the same token, I wouldn't be one bit surprised if if there was a shock along the way. And because you know, this is a totally different dynamic, and nobody knows. It's all new new ground. So I think it's just going to be you know, great, and I'm really looking forward. Great stuff, Dick. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Will. See you, Sinead. Now we'll turn our attention to Hurling and Sinead obviously is a proud Galway woman you would have been watching your county beat Kilkenny yesterday in the Leinster Hurling final replay in Thurles and it was a bit unusual I guess for a Connacht team to be winning a Leinster trophy in Munster but it was a huge achievement for Galway. Yeah it was an excellent game from start to finish you know you wondered how the boys would turn around after a week um, after the re- you know to come into a replay and see how they would perform um, but I mean Galway just blew Kilkenny away in the first half uh, physically, every breaking ball always seemed to be uh, picking up. So it was a great first half. Um, and then, despite Kilkenny trying to make a comeback, you know, Galway kept their heads, kept it cool. You know, two goals went in, and they still managed, you know, to keep, take the points away. Um, you know, with Cahill Mannion, Joe Canning, you know, super performances in the second half. I think, yeah, it looks good for Galway. Really, really exciting times ahead. Yeah, James, yeah, I was reading your preview in the uh, Sunday Independent yesterday and you were kind of saying that you thought there would be a kind of a, a Galway backlash from their pretty mediocre performance the first day out and we certainly got that in the first 15-20 minutes but you'd probably say that even more impressive was how they responded uh, you know as Shade referred to there to that Kilkenny onslaught in years previously I'm thinking maybe the 2016 Leinster final the 2015 All-Ireland final Galway certainly wilted under that kind of pressure but it, they almost thrived on it yesterday Yeah I think it was I suppose that's what I suppose the benefit of, of winning another Ireland will um you know the confidence and the, the security that, that brings. But it's also a different Kilkenny team, a far less I suppose intimidating, you know, Kilkenny team given the, the, the players they've lost. But I, I you know, Kilkenny were I suppose were always going to have a period of dominance and superiority in the game. Um and they certainly had that in the second half and probably got the got the couple of breaks, you know, for the couple of goals. There was I suppose an element of good fortune about about both. But, you know, I suppose Galway refocused again and, and it was pretty impressive the way they kicked on and you know, I suppose, took what Kilkenny's best 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 punches and and responded, and you know they were probably good value for the the, the six or seven points that were between the sides at the uh, at the end. And certainly, you know, the power, the accuracy, you know, the physical 
attributes, all the things that they showed in the first half versus what we expected to see in Croke Park, you know, seven days ago. But certainly they laid down a marker yesterday. And, you know, if, if we thought that maybe Galway could come back to the pack a little bit last weekend, I think they, they certainly put that to bed last last Sunday because that was as impressive, probably at 35 minutes as we've seen the championship this year. Yeah, James, yeah, someone was telling, talking about the game yesterday and they mentioned the physicality on show and, and how it was maybe a slightly different game to what we've seen in Munster, albeit the games were very exciting in Munster, but was the physicality maybe even greater in that game yesterday? I think it was it was probably greater seven days ago in, in, in Croke Park, but... You know, I suppose you, you look at the, the Galway team. I mean, Garo McInerney is a massive man at centre-back. Dahi Burke, obviously, is physically powerful at, at full-back. And Johnny Glynn, you know, six feet five with a wingspan. He has, it was always going to be a different ball game for, for Parik Walsh yesterday. And, 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 you know, I suppose the physical mismatch, given the, the inches that he's conceding, you know, to him. And right throughout the field, you know, whether it's Joe Canning, whether it's, you know, Joseph Cooney, they just have huge physical men. And that makes it very, very hard to win primary possession. And... You know, for, for Clare or Wexford, whoever comes through that side of the draw and, and you know and, and beats Galway in the semi final, that's going to be obviously something they're going to have to have to address and and, and 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 tackle. But it's not just their physicality. I mean, they can obviously play that way, Will, but it's just their accuracy. I mean, again, you know, we saw last year. You know, I suppose they didn't get goals, but they were consistently hitting. You know, in the high twenties in, in in points. And I thought they were maybe forcing things a little bit in Croke Park last Sunday, maybe when. You know, easy points were there for the taking, and they were maybe trying to, to 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 look for that extra pass, and you know it didn't come off. And yesterday, I think it was it was it was back to what they do best, and that's you know the accurate shooters that they have all over the field. You know, particularly Carl Mannion, who was outstanding yesterday, and they played to their strengths. And you know, when the goal chances is is there, um, yeah, they're, they're going for it. But I just thought they they, they just made better decisions on the ball yesterday and you know 128 whatever they hit was was just really impressive stuff and and that's the target that, that you know teams are going to have to have to match if they face them and Kilkenny certainly made it the type of low scoring game that Kilkenny needed it to be to have a chance to win and other teams maybe may, may look at that and say well look we don't maybe have the firepower that goal we have we've got to make it a different type of game and and, and that's maybe our, our, our best chance to to beat them and Cork are probably the only side that would maybe look to to take them on in, in, in that kind of a shootout but certainly we saw a pretty impressive performance, you know, um, yesterday. And, you know, as I said, they, they, they really franked us because they're, they're, they're all Ireland favouritism again, given what we saw, as you said, the opening 35 minutes and given what we saw when Kilkenny responded and, you know, when they kicked on that last 10 minutes to finish off the game. Yeah, Schneider, what impresses you most about the Galway team? You know, they've such a great forward line, but even in defence, they have like Dahi Burke, Rob McInerney, really great defenders. And we were talking off air about the size of them, you know, they, they like you probably know them well, you know, being from the same county, they, they, they're huge men as well. Yeah, I mean, you would often maybe cross paths on training grounds and things, and you know, you just look at them and their stature, their conditioning, you know, it's obvious that the work has been put in. They're really big lads, but at the same time, they're strong, they're physical, they're athletic, you know. As James has said, it's an area that other oppositions will have to look look to, you know, play down a little bit because they offer so much physically. You know, they're big, strong men. It's very hard to come up against, and and it's not just one. It's not just two. It's you know, majority of the team hold that stature. Um, and it, it's as as we said, it's quite a difficult, uh, battle to step up to. Um, but I mean, th- then you have the likes of your your natural. Hurlers, you know, Cahill Mannion just absolutely exceptional yesterday, scoring points from every every angle. Um, so they just offer so much, you know, the workhorses in, in midfield, 
and David Burke and Johnny Cohn, you know, they they ra- like they ran themselves r- <laughs> right yesterday. They they really ran themselves into the ground. So it, it's it's an, a great balance that all we do have. Um, they're so physical in the backs as well. Dahi Burke, you know, and Garage McInerney. Like I said, it's confidence from last year. If they're bringing it into every game, last last week's performance they may not have been happy with, but I guess they put those answers to bed yesterday. And it was quite an energy zapping day, but they still managed to, you know, keep keep the fitness levels up. And it's just it is obvious that you know they've they're conditioned well, that they're ready for whatever lies away uh, awaits ahead. So. It, overall, they're just impressive all over the field. There's not just one area that you could hone in on, but I just think their conditioning, the way they're, they're lining out, they offer so much. And Jamesy, from a Kilkenny perspective, it's a double blow. Like not only did they lose a provincial final, but now they have to go back into action. You know, next weekend against a Limerick team who's you know reasonably well rested because they they played Carlo and won quite comfortably. You know what? What do you think Brian Cody should do? Maybe to 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 tip the odds in his favour. Would you expect to see Colin Fenley and Richie Hogan in from the start this time? I think we'll see one of them in. I, I I'm not so sure that you know he'll he'll start both of them because I think it's nice. It's a nice option to have somebody off the bench who is capable of of coming on and changing the course of the match. And both of those guys certainly fall into that that category. Um, you know, Richie was, you know, we saw maybe against Wexford he could he couldn't start both of them, and that Richie couldn't buy a score. He he was maybe running with it when he should have been shooting and shooting when he should have been running with it and, and just making those decisions that, you know, you, you tend to make when you're not match fit and you don't have that, that game time, I suppose, under your, under your belt. But I think the 1-1 he got yesterday would be a huge, you know, lift to his confidence. Um, you know, he got on a lot of ball and, and generally when Richie Hogan is on the ball, good things that good things happen. So I think that he'll, he's likely to start one, but keep the other in, the, keep the other in reserve because... You know, he's always had that that option off the bench in Kilkenny with the depth that they've had in previous years, where you can bring a guy on that maybe the, the, his own teammates know that he's capable of adding something different and and, and maybe bringing something, you know, that, that that can turn the turn the match. And as I said, both of those guys fall into that category. So I think he'll start one. I don't think he'll start um he'll, he'll start both of them. But you, you know, for Kilkenny, it was the, the evidence from May and June is there, will that you know the teams that have three competitive games, nobody won in the third week, and that's the challenge facing Kilkenny now. You know, they're the one side. Obviously, you couldn't possibly write off because after 25 minutes yesterday, you know, you're you're wondering are they better off now? Just the game is gone. It's, it's irretrievable at this stage. Are they better off just conserving their energy and and, and saving themselves for for that big quarterfinal next weekend? And you know, 25 minutes into the second half, they're on the cusp of drawing level, and you're wondering how is this possible? They just they just don't know any other uh, any other way. So I'd be more concerned. I think if it was any other side playing Limerick this weekend other than Kilkenny but you know they operate in a different in a different realm and you can be sure that you know Michael Dempsey will will have them you know he, he'll get the recipe right they'll do very very little this week it'll be all about recovery getting the energy levels back up and they know now themselves like it's knockout from here on out and, and Limerick okay they're coming in fresh rested but Kilkenny have have you know certainly found out a lot about themselves in the last two weeks and most of that is positive and you know okay it wasn't it wasn't obviously that that good for long spells yesterday, particularly in the opening half. But you have to admire the way they got themselves back into the game and found a way, even below par, to, to, to make a contest of it. And they certainly did that in the second half. But it is a challenge. But I, I think, as I said, with their tradition, with all the, the experience they have, it's not the same challenge it would be or might be for, for, for one of the other teams remaining in the competition.
Jamesy, do you think it's set up nicely for Limerick in the sense that, you know, before they lost to Clare, people were really talking them up as potential All-Ireland contenders against Galway. And obviously they, they were a bit gassed against Clare. They've had a time to rest, to recuperate. No one's really talking about them now. They've all been focused on the Munster final and then yesterday's replay. But not a whole lot has changed from the Limerick that everyone was raving about, really. So they seem to be well-primed for this game. Absolutely. And, you know, there's that added spur, as will of, you know, not performer against Clare and, you know, the disappointment of not making the Munster final given, you know, how well they'd played in the previous three matches. So those guys are, are you know, mad for road now again. And as you said, it's a perfect scenario because it's Kilkenny. You know, everyone will still assume that Kilkenny will be favourites. Limerick, have, they've beaten Limerick, I suppose, in any of those big games that they've met, you know, going go, go back to the years of Ireland semi-finals, big qualifier matches. Um, obviously not Limerick out of the championship last year. But it's a different Limerick team and, you know, they, they've had time, I suppose, to recharge the batteries now. Saturday night was probably perfect in the sense that, you know, guys came off the bench, even Peter Casey looked very impressive. This competition for a place in the panel. Confidence levels are back up. And they know themselves that, you know, the, the year will end up being a disappointment if they're not in the last four. And they have a glorious opportunity to get back to that position and, and kick on from there. So, you know, it, it really makes for makes for an intriguing fixture because, you know, you, you have two sides that there probably, you know, isn't a whole lot between. Um, Kilkenny are coming in, as you said, maybe disadvantaged from having to play the third week in a row. Limerick, you know, coming in fresh. And that tilts maybe the balance somewhat in their, in their favour. Uh, but it's still very, very hard to call, Will. But, you know, it's, it, it's certainly a 50-50 game and one that, you know, if Limerick can get to the performance levels they got, particularly against Cork and Tipperary and against Waterford, well, then they have every chance. No question about it. Sinead, how impressed were you with the fight that Kenny showed yesterday? You know, any other team probably would have lost that game by 20, 25 points. And, you know, I think it was like one ten to three points or something like that. And it looked like it could be like, you know, a massacre in one of Brian Cody's worst days on the sideline. But then, yeah, as James, you mentioned, you know, 25 minutes into the second half, I think a point between the teams. You know, it's just, there's just such a great spirit about them no matter what players are on the pitch they just seem to be able to produce these kind of miracle comebacks yeah I mean any other team could have just crumbled and just said you know go away have got the better of us today but I mean they never say die attitude that Kilkenny have I think it's instilled throughout the the years and the decades that hurling in Kilkenny what it means to them and you know they came out in the second half and put everything that they could have put in and thrown everything that they could have thrown at Galway it just they just couldn't give any more. I think the subs that did came come on made a, a huge difference. Um, but I think that attitude will stand to them, and that performance will stand to them the next day. And if they do approach it in in that way, which I'm sure they will, albeit a, a quick turnaround in in a week's time, you know it it is it is lining up nicely for a great uh, a great battle between Limerick and Kilkenny. And James, I guess the other game, obviously Clare versus Wexford, it'll be Clare's first time back in action since that Munster final defeat. And, you know, what's the movement like in the county or, or what do you expect it's like in the squad? Because it was a fairly harrowing defeat given the, the you know prominent position they were in at one stage. I think a lot of people were quite bullish on their chances of winning that Munster final at first since, you know, you were involved in 1998. And then to be left, you know, with, with that kind of loss, would there be scars there, do you think? Oh, I think there's definitely scar tissue. There's definitely scar tissue amongst the supporters because, as you said, Will, there was there was a big, big clear crowd down there on on, on that Sunday, um, travelling with a lot of expectation. And at half time, you know, we were really in a great position. I mean, I suppose up to the 34th minute. I mean, eight points ahead, full value for it. Uh, 
maybe and the supporters and myself included were maybe guilty of you know looking too far ahead and saying right if we can maintain this it's it's ours but Cork certainly upped the tempo in the second half um, you know made a few changes and really raised their performance levels and we didn't match it and the disappointing thing was that you know we could have absolutely no complaints you know the, the, the better team won but it was so, so disappointing, as you said, given the level of expectation within the county, probably within the dressing room itself, and to put yourself into a match-winning position and then not see it out. I think it's, it, it, it's even more disappointing um, than it was last year when we, when we you know, didn't perform and got ourselves caught up in a tactical straitjacket. So, but sometimes, well, the, the best way when you're knocked off the horse is to get back up again and, and, and get playing. And, you know, if, you know with Davies was coming, to, coming in the opposite camp, um, you know, the players certainly won't want to lose to him. And, like, there's still a huge price to play for him. These clear players haven't been in Croke Bar since 2013. They're 70 minutes away from it now. And irrespective of whether it's Wexford, Kilkenny, Galway, whoever's in the way, this this match has to be won. And that's the challenge facing the, facing the players. So I think, you know, the key thing is to, is to learn from, you know, what we did well in the Munster final and what we didn't do well. Um, obviously, Wexford, you know, Davy will know the clear players inside out. Tactically, there's likely to be a sweeper sitting in front of John Conlon, who's been a real go-to guy and form player this year. So other guys are going to have to have to step up and it, it's going to be a challenge for Clare. And again, if Wexford can repeat, you know, the performance that they gave down in Nolan Park when they really should have beaten Kilkenny, uh, this is going to be another 50-50 game that, that, that could go either way. So it's really down now to performance levels. Well, I mean, you've got to be, you know, you've got to be performing close to your best to win these big matches. But, you know, the Clare players, a lot of them have been here before. Um you know, they had the experience instead of, of losing that quarter final to, to tip after last year's um, you know, Munster final loss and hopefully from a clear perspective they can they can learn from that and go one better this year. And is it probably the perfect opponent for them, Jamesy? Because I guess if it was somebody else, maybe, you know, other than Davy Fitzgerald facing them, they might have just dwelled on the Munster final loss a little bit more, but they really won't want to lose to their former manager and, and this will really focus their minds, I would have thought. It will, yeah, but I don't. Okay, the fact that it's it's Davy in the opposite camp maybe gives it a different a different dimension. But I really don't don't think it matters for the players. I mean, you know, as I said, they're seventy minutes away from an Ireland semi final. It's it's three matches now for Clare, um, you know, or for Limerick or Kilkenny, you know, to to, to win the All Ireland from this position. And you know, Tip can't say that. Watford can't say that. So you know, you've got to forget about what happened two weeks ago. You've got to look forward now. And the next game and the next opponent is Wexford. And, you know, that, that, that's the game that has to be won. And listen, Clare are capable of that. I mean, you know, OK, they went down to Wexford Park and, you know, lost in the lost in the league. Um, you know, but they, they won't want to lose to Davy in a big, big championship match like that. And as you said, it does give them a bit of extra motivation. But irrespective of who's in that opposite dressing room, it's a knockout match. It's for a place in the semi-final to get back to Croke Park, a place they haven't been in in five years. And the year would be a massive, massive disappointment for Clare if they don't realise that and get to the semi-final. Great stuff, Jamesy. Thanks so much for joining us. Cheers, Will. And we'll finish up, Sinead, I guess, with the Ladies Football Championship. We're getting into the All-Ireland Series now. It's a new format this year, four groups of three teams. So it's a really exciting new development for the sport. Yeah, we're really looking forward to it. It's something different this year, and I think it's something that we would have looked for last year after having such a long gap. We had, I think, eight weeks of no matches, so we're really looking forward to the competition. I think it's, it's good to have a focus, and especially so early in July, looking forward to a game you know, on the twenty first is 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 great, and it's it like it's a, like I said, it focuses training, it focuses the mind, it focuses the girls. So it's good. We're looking forward to it, and I'm sure you know that's all every intercounty player wants is to be playing matches. You know, so we are looking forward to it. 
And what kind of different challenges do you think this will pose versus, you know, I guess what you've been doing the previous years? Um, I guess, you know, maybe week to week matches might be, you know, we've a, a quick turnaround after the Waterford game to face West Mead, but um, I don't think it'll be major challenges like that. You know, you might be risk of injuries or fatigue or things like that. But no, like I said, I think matches are what we want. Um, and for ourselves anyway, Galway, you know, we're so used to playing in a kind of final and then not having anything for a couple of weeks. I think we were, we were really looking looking forward to more matches throughout the summer months. So, um, yeah, we're really looking forward to it. And you have the first weekend off, Waterford, Westmead, do battle. You hope, you're hoping they, you know, knock the crap out of each other and you can just pick up whoever, you know, afterwards. Yeah, I suppose it'll be good to sit back and watch them go hammer and tongs at it. Um, like I said, we don't really know too much um, about Waterford, having not played them in a couple of seasons so and having played Westmead this year we we know a little bit about them but it'll be good to see them battle it out before us um, and maybe get a little insight into their way of play and for your own team obviously Galway they haven't won in All-Ireland in a long time but you've been there thereabouts you're the Connacht champions like what's the expectations like amongst your group yeah I think this year um, we've really focused on the year as in kind of series you know we've looked at the league that's gone and passed um, put a good battle up to, to Dublin in the, the league semi-final and we've kind of parked that and looked at the second stage then in as a Connacht final you know it's great to have won the Connacht final but again have parked that again because you know in previous years winning a Connacht final unfortunately hasn't got us any further so this year we've kind of taken a new approach at it and looked at it in series and now we're just looking forward to these group games and maybe you know coming out the better end of them and then pushing on again on another stage so um I guess, like as I said, matches will focus us at that, but um, hopefully the difference will be that these matches will give us a chance to, you know, go out there and just show what all we have and have it not rested for a couple of weeks and just keep playing matches like, like we want to do. And you have beaten Dublin in a league game already as well, and obviously Mayo played them in the all and finally you've beaten them too, so you must know that you guys must get a bit of confidence from knowing you are quite close. Yeah, I mean, it's for Galway, it's um, putting performances together and consistency is really, really important within our setup. You know, so um, like I said last year, having won a Connacht and then going in and playing Cork, yes, we could make up excuses saying we were stale and we haven't played matches and have just been training. But I think, you know, we'll have to just park those excuses for this year. And yeah, we're there or thereabouts. We know that ourselves. Um, it's just getting the performance on the day and clicking things together. I think the consistency with the managers um, here from last year, we've had a now had a chance to, you know, grid, grid things together. Um, tactics that we worked on last year are falling into place this year. So um, it's just now a matter of bringing everything that we've done over the last couple of years. And we're really, really looking forward to pushing on this summer because we, we definitely know we've underachieved and it's just a matter now of putting Galway on the map in terms of ladies football because we know we have we can do it we've had the performances throughout the league um, it's as I said it's just getting the consistency and the performance on the day and interestingly the way that the groups shape up you know if you if you get out of your group you probably will be playing Dublin or Mayo again yeah. so you know you, you kind of you'll know what you'll be facing but it's a very tough task potentially down the road it is but I guess you know nothing is going to be easy when you get to that stage of the competition um, and you want to be playing the bigger teams to know exactly where you're at. You know, you you don't want any easy route by any means. So, um, look, if we are if we do hopefully get out of the group and face them again, I'm sure we will be well ready and, and equipped for them. 
and you might want to, I guess, tip up opposition teams. But uh, looking at this championship, would Dublin, I guess, will be seen as the favourites? Yes. Well, I, I, they've all the performance put together to to deserve, um, you know, favourites in, in the in the layout of things. Um, you know, they've secured their All Ireland that they were chasing for for a couple of years, and it's well deserved. And they've put a good league together as well. So. You know, yeah, I would consider them favourites, and that's the team where you want to be. You want to be getting to. And for your own situation, I know you're working as a teacher up in Dublin. Like, does that? How do you find balancing? You know, working as a teacher and playing, you know, in the county football. Yeah, um, I guess I'm so used to it now at this stage. Um, it is quite difficult being so far away. You know, unfortunately, I don't make the midweek sessions throughout the year, but I'm I'm playing with um, Ballyboden St Enders up here, so that gives me a chance to get my training done midweek. Um, the travelling can be quite, you know, tiresome on the body, especially as you clock up the years. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it's just something that I'm so used to. I don't mind, you know, and especially this time of year when there's a great buzz and coming towards the end of the league as well, you, you don't mind hitting hitting the road down. At least you have the summer months uh, off to concentrate on, you know, exactly. games and training. Yeah, professional footballer now for the summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. You know, the time off it allows you, you know, to be there and be there for training. Um, you know, doing your extra bits at home as well. So it's it's nice to get home for the summer as well. And just to go back to the new format for a minute, like, do, would you hope that this would give ladies football more exposure? Because I know after the Ireland final last year, you know, there was a huge crowd in Croke Park that day, and people were kind of, you know, very proud about how m- many people were in attendance and, and the kind of, I guess, the coverage it got and the publicity it got. Yeah, it's great. I think over the last two years, in particular, ladies football has definitely been you know highlighted and you know more people are talking about it and the numbers show at Crow Park last year um, yeah the extra games on telly TG Cahar are brilliant I know one of our games our group games that are going to be televised I think the Waterford game so it's just maybe you know putting it out there showing more games on telly Lidl have been brilliant as well have come on board and really shot the sport up in terms of promoting the game and promoting the girls It's and for younger girls as well it's been great um, so I just I, yeah I think the more games will create more interest and um, more competitive games you know hopefully more people will be talking about it well hopefully we can do our part as well Sinead yeah. thanks so much for joining me not at all thank you and that's all we have time for this week on the throw in thank you for listening and we will be back next week with another podcast looking back on all the Gaelic football and hurling action in the meantime you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes SoundCloud or listen on independent.ie so until next week thanks for listening and goodbye